This episode of the Buffalonian Podcast is brought to you by the Buffalonian Division of the Cast Horse Podcast Network, a podcast network built by Buffalonians for Buffalonians, featuring the Wings of Blue Cheese Podcast and the Buffalonian Podcast, with more shows on the way very soon. Find these shows wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or simply visit our website posted in the episode description. Now, without further ado, let's get into the Bills, Sabres, Hot Takes, and more of the Buffalonian Podcast. All right. Let's go. We are back with the Buffalonian podcast. I'm Joe Kelly, and as always, I'm joined by none other than Dom loss and dom tough tough week to be a buffalo sports fan um the bills win sure it's a it's an ugly win but they win and uh, the sabers are zero and two to start their season tampa bay they play tonight we'll talk about that but first let's get into this bills giants matchup where um it was it was no score on the bills side of things for three quarters so just general thoughts before we dive in. What, you, what what was your reaction at the end, like after that game ended? Just a very unenjoyable game to watch. Yeah, no. uh, very unenjoyable. You almost at the end of the game feel incredibly ungrateful because you know you suffer through fifteen years of the drought, <laughs> just begging them to like consistently win games, and then yeah. when they win, it's also not good enough to like please you. So I don't know. Felt felt a, a tad bit like ungrateful to, for my past self that went through all that suffering to now be like kind of I don't know greedy is the right word but like kind of ungr- I'm, I'm gonna keep using the word ungrateful for the win but at the end of the day it is better to be four and two than three and three there is a lot to talk about a lot to take away yeah um a lot to learn from this game but mm-hmm. at the end of the day this this is a game that the Bills have been very inconsistent on winning a lot of the time. Unfortunately, yeah. Unfortunately, it was... I mean, they lost three of these kind of games. Minnesota last year, the Jets. Even you could talk about the Dolphins. So, yeah, they. I mean, they're incredibly inconsistent winning these games. and That's been a criticism for years, though. Winning close games for the Bills. That Titans game a couple years back... Where they slip in the uh, right on the goal line, you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, they had a, you know they had a couple of moments. I felt like last year they kind of quieted that, got out of that burden because yeah. they were able to win some close games. But this year, obviously, this is the first close win, first first win under twenty eight points. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, it's nice to get a close win. Do I wish it was a different opponent and a more quality? The, the Buffalo Bills did not play. How they should. No. They, they, were, they are a far more better team than they showed on Sunday night. Oh, that absolutely. That is out of question. With that being said, this is the National Football League. It is a week-to-week league. Any given Sunday. Those guys get paid to, like... Off the couch, even, they get paid to play. Yeah, so. those, those, listen, those guys get paid to <laughs> primetime uh, game. A little more animosity than I think we even realized between Dable and McDermott. So I think that might have played a part as well, but... Listen, the Niners won the road, lost the Browns. The Eagles won the road, lost the Jets. This is an ugly win, but mm-hmm. we're not saying it's an ugly loss. It's an ugly win, and yeah. that's that's the most important thing to say. But also, I think there are some concerns that need to be talked about. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, I assume 
I'm not going to go too in-depth here because I assume the Dom 5 is going to be touching on some of those concerns. And um, I think, it, in my opinion at least, the OC is one of them, kind of. But I don't know. I don't know if that's in the Dom 5 or not. So we'll have to wait and see and comment there. But there were a couple highlights that, that I wanted to go over today. We didn't do any last week because it was just abysmal losing to the Jaguars in London. So, But this week, we have some standouts. So first... Our boy, AJ Epinesa, again, again, repeat performances every week, splash plays, sacked Tyrod Taylor, former Bills quarterback who actually had a great night. But AJ Epinesa gets in there, doesn't get a taunting penalty somehow, even though he's just standing over the top. He teabagged Tyrod. So, I mean, like, there's no way, in my opinion, that that, that you know, ends up without a taunting penalty, but it did. Um AJ Epinesa, you just love to see it, though, don't you? I mean, he's been really, really proving himself this season so far. Yeah, was the highest-graded Bills defender mm-hmm. uh, last week, and he's been now the ninth-highest-graded edge, according to PFF. So, yeah, he's having a, he's having a breakout year, and it's definitely a uh, – seems I – mean, we saw Biggie Bash him in the game, so it seemed like they made the right decision keeping AJ over him. Yeah, and that was a decision that was questioned by actually many, if you remember, when you know we didn't let go of AJ Epinesa and – I know our producer's got the Epinesa jersey, so he's he's hyped for it. But next highlight, we skip to the fourth quarter, the start of the fourth quarter. Deontay Hardy, what a beautiful, well-designed play, schemed open in just flawless. Flawless execution by Allen, getting it out quick. Nice little dance in the end zone there. Um, those are guys we got to see more of. Hardy, in my opinion, he's showing out this season. He's doing what he needs to do. Dawson Knox, we'll talk about that, though, as we get closer, but... It's nice to see Deontay Hardy getting involved and grabbing the first touchdown of the Bills in the fourth quarter of this game. Yeah, we've seen iterations of that play a lot. I think you saw on the two-point conversion uh, Mm -hmm. against Jacksonville, but that was Shakir, and he didn't wasn't quite timed right and didn't yeah. seem to accelerate. But, yeah, it's a, it's a nice scheme play. It's good to end a 17-play drive of uh, six points and, and the lead. That's the, Bill, that's the Bills offense we're used to seeing. 17 plays, running time off the clock, executing all the way down the field, and getting into the end zone. This play, though, no one was schemed. This is on the fly. Who are you kidding? You think, oh, pressure coming all around, scrambling, scrambling, dodging pressure, threads the needle right to Quentin Morris. First reception on the season is a touchdown, if I'm correct. Dawson Knox literally just smothers them in the end zone. Like, come on. You'll love to see that. Chris Collinsworth was the commentator the other night. A lot of people mute the TV when it's Collinsworth, as far as I know. Um, he had he was he was flabbergasted by that play because there was such a small window for Allen to be able to adjust and more good on Morris for, you know, improvising on the fly and getting open in the end zone so he could thread the needle to him. Yeah, Morris playing on a bum ankle after injuring it the mm-hmm. first few plays before. He was the highest grade player offensively <laughs> for the Bills, according to PFF. Yikes. Um, <laughs> so not the greatest person to have that, but first target of the year, first touchdown, I think that's a pretty good uh, you know, usage rate. But mm-hmm. it's, a, it's just a Josh being a superhuman, making a big-time throw. Some people would say it's unnecessary, but listen, man, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. We died by the sword against the Jets. We... Live by the sword, live by against, the sword the against the Giants. The, the New two York New teams. Jersey teams. Yeah. We, we we live and die by the sword. Uh, no, I listen. That's what people hate and love, like you said about Josh Allen. He takes those chances. That to me, if even if it was a pick, I would have been frustrated. But like, good on you for just improvising and getting in, getting it into the end zone, attempting to. But 
We don't even have to think about that because it was a threaded needle touchdown. Final play, final highlight, is the last play of the game. They have an untimed down from a Terrell Bernard absolute massacre in the end zone. And Taron Johnson, was it holding? Was it not? It wasn't called. So the game ends. 14-9 Bills. We then see Dable and McDermott meet on the field for maybe a half second. Uh, maybe some bad blood there. We don't know. Maybe. Um, and then he goes over to Huggy Allen. I mean, ca- crazy ending to a horrific game for three quarters. And then the Bills, on the surface, the Bills scoring 14 points in the second half, or in the right second half, seems okay. But then you see it's all in the fourth quarter and they didn't do anything for the first three. And you're just kind of like, okay. You know what I mean? It's just, I, I mean, don't know. Y- y- yes and no. I think in the second half, Listen, second half, Josh went 11 for 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, they moved the ball. The only incompletion was the incompletion on third and eight to seal the game. And Dawson. Not a great throw. Could have been a better throw. Still a catchable ball that needs to be caught. So I think offensively they were pretty good in the second half. Mm-hmm. I think it's the, the, the score of zero points in the third uh, doesn't really, if you watch the game, doesn't scare me because – they score on the first play of the fourth quarter. So really that whole 10 minute drive was in the third quarter and they just happened to yeah. score in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Had another nice 12 play drive in the fourth quarter and then uh, just poor execution on that third and eight uh, and they would have been able to clinch the game without any of that. But listen, man, the Bills got the job done. Was it P.I.? Honestly, the refs didn't call it, so it's not. No, but, uh, yeah. If, well, uh, if, we're, if say, we're being honest, if I was, we're, complete, we're talking to Jersey there. If I was yeah. completely <laughs> honest, it was probably PI. Um, Waller but, may have been pushing off a little bit, but at yeah. the end of the day, I think you know, they let the dogs play, and uh, thank God they did, and uh, we end up with a win. Well, here's the thing, okay? At least the Bills' defense has the wherewithal to take a defensive penalty and stop them from catching the ball because game can't end, right? And if you you know keep doing that. <laughs> so arguably that I mean when 13 seconds happened all right we're gonna take a trip back for a minute they I would have if I were Leslie Frazier I would have been like start holding at the line just just grab them and just run the clock down do it every play and then till the end you just have to stop one play um luckily it didn't get called even if it did again you have another chance like you're just kind of you're buying yourself time tiring that offense out from having to retry this and rerun these routes um but you know good on the good on Bernard for just taking one in the end zone there to keep the game going, you know? So uh, it, that would have been a catch if he didn't do that. So that saved the game right there. And uh, the unsung hero taking the penalty for the team. So <laughs> when when you hear untimed down, you're like, oh, come on, really? We're giving it to him? But I think there was more thought behind it than than what people are letting on to, you know? They let the dogs play. Yes, they let them play. All right, it's time for okay. the week six edition <laughs> of the Dom Five. Here we go. The sixth iteration, sixth edition, whatever, I don't know. Episode six. I don't know. I, I don't like that. I like edition. I think six, the sixth edition. Here we go. Uh, take number one. A win is a win. <laughs> As you can see from Josh's face, a little humorous. Uh, listen, the Bills are four and two. They're still a game back in Miami. They got the win. Is it a win that inspires a lot of confidence in me? No. Honestly, probably not. But... I think this is a growing experience. I think we have to understand that we're only a third of the way through the season. We're six games in. Mm-hmm. Is it a game that you wish the Bills were more dominant? Absolutely. But we saw a lot of good teams lose. 
there's a lot of parody in the NFL right now. Yes. And being four and two, I think anyone would take being four and two through six games. And listen, the Bills now have this. I don't want to say season-defining stretch, but they have a soft spot on their schedule of at New England. You know that that's a, that's a winnable game. Very Thursday winnable. night against the Bucks. The Bucks are a good opponent, but that's at home prime time. You should win that. They're gonna have a tough one at Sunday night in Cincinnati, but then you have Monday night. Uh, against Denver, followed by a game against the Jets, which may be difficult, but that's a home game. So, And then you play the Eagles, and the, that's really the hard schedule, the defining part. But these next five games, the Bills can really take advantage of the stretch and go 4-1. and one. That would be really important for them uh, to potentially yeah. keep pace with the Dolphins and the AFC. So, Dolphins are bound to drop another game. Like that's an, You know what I mean? They're like, not going to go 16-1. Right, exactly. Place. And with that defense, they're just going they're gonna to implode at but some point. A so. win's a win. Mm-hmm. They got the job done. Wasn't always pretty, but the Chargers lost a tough game last yeah. night. I mean, a lot, a lot of good teams have been faltering, and the Bills are able to get the job done. Yeah. So, Listen, yeah, no give complaints. Them some, some props for that, but there's complaints. Well, complaints, but no complaints about a win in the win column for me. Sure. Second. Of the Dom Five. Really just baffling field position decisions by McDermott. <laughs> uh, really has been all year. I haven't loved what McDermott has done going for on fourth down when he's punted and when he's hit field goals. I think this is the first year in a little bit where I've been a little frustrated by McDermott's decision making uh, with the field decisions. Uh, I want to allude to it really, really on three, three drives. So... First quarter, they're down 3 nothing. They get to the Giants' 37-yard line, and then they go incompletion, incompletion. I'm sorry, incompletion, no yard gain on a catch, incompletion. And then they punt 27 yards to the 10. So they weren't going to kick a 54 if you go. My frustration there is this. It's if you knew 54 was kind of out of the range, I would have liked to see better play, maybe run the ball, so you could get into field goal range or get some yards. Um, you do a better job of executing, especially if that was... I don't mind the decision to punt there. No. I mind the decision of if you knew at the 37 was no good, you need to find a way to execute offensively to at least get five more yards to then allow the field goal to happen. So that was one where it's like, okay, that was poor offense where I just... I don't understand the situation do that. And then... But what I don't understand later in the same... Well, I'm just double check this real quick, but I believe it was the same quarter, or maybe the second quarter. They kick a 52 yard field goal. So, again, you get first and 10 at the Giants 37, you run for three yards, incomplete, incomplete. Very inefficient offense. And then you're in that range of do you go for it? You get the field goal, you punt, you kick the field goal, and you miss. Right. So that's like another situation where it was like, okay, now you just gifted the Giants really good field position now. I would have liked to see them kind of go for it there in that situation, I think. But if it, for them to go for it, on third and seven, they should have probably ran the ball, get it to fourth and four, fourth and three, and then I would have went for it. Especially if they didn't, if they didn't think 54 was good, I don't understand how they thought 52 might be any better. Yeah, right. They, Two yards isn't going to make or break just, that. That's just between Dorsey and McDermott. It, it didn't feel like the, and the, and Tyler Bass, those three just did not seem to be on the same page uh, of – you know, what is the range tonight? Or what are we okay with? I know you're down 3 nothing at that point. So, But then you get to them good field position and they take the field goal. And then my last, my last decision, 
is the last drive of the game. Yeah. Third and nine. It's a good play call. Good play design. Poor execution by Allen and Dawson Knox. Whatever. People can... Some people were complaining about Dorsey for calling that because then the, the Giants didn't they stopped the clock. The Giants didn't use the timeout. I thought that was stupid. That listen, I didn't drop past. I did not like the decision to hit the field goal because you missed the field goal and now the Giants need fifty seven yards, uh, and a minute and a half one timeout. Mm-hmm. That's just too much time, not for a long enough drive. Again, you're at the thirty six. If you punted from the thirty seven and you miss from the thirty four. I know the situation is, oh, if you've made the field goal there, you're up eight, so you're guaranteed at least overtime if they somehow drive, score a touchdown, and go for two-point conversion. I just would have, in my opinion, I know I, I love Tyler Bass. We've been really hyping him up. No, and he's been great all he's season. He's been great, had a bad mm-hmm. game. Yep. But in that situation, I would have liked to see the Bills punt the ball and try and get them in. in, in I mean, you're punting from the 36. You could get the ball inside the 10. Like, Make them go 90-plus yards in a minute and a half one yeah. time out. Instead, you make them go 57 yards, and they go 56 yards, and we're one yard shy of it. So mm-hmm. I thought that was really poor because then all of a sudden you miss it. You're 57 yards on a touchdown from losing the game. I thought I thought that was decision was poor. That was just a poor decision. And then the two other ones is just Dorsey and McDermott have to be on the same page of being like, hey, like we are in field goal range right now. We need to get closer. And there needs to be like a more aggressive, like, hey, on third and seven, we don't need to pick up the first down. Let's run the ball or do a conservative play call that gives us three to four yards. So then we're in fourth and three, fourth and four, and then we'll go for it because we don't want to kick a long field goal. It was just, it, it was a weird game. Yeah, you're right. Three I, drives that were three drives that you get no points and you are in. You're gifting 15 the Giants. Yard, you're about yeah. what, 15 yards in Giants field position for the mo- in in the Giants territory. Yeah, that's just bizarre coaching right there. Yeah, um, and you're you're gifting Dable, like you said. It, they got down to the one yard line at, at at the end of the game. Like it it came down to that. Like if they had to go 90 yards, they might not have even gotten that far. And you're putting the game on the line for, I don't know. I, I'm with you on that though. That. That's just it, it. It did seem a little wild at times, decision wise, what was going on. It's, that that those three decisions, those how those three drives ended was a coaching failure on mm-hmm. what your philosophy was going to be. If your philosophy was we are going to not kick those long field goals, they should have been like okay, so we need to get closer to fourth down range so that we could go for it instead of or just punt. But yeah, I did. I didn't. Those two decisions were poor. But going going to the third of the down three, down five. Excuse me. <laughs> offense needs to wake up sooner. Obviously, second half offense really good. Seventeen, you know, seventeen play touchdown, twelve play touchdown. Mm-hmm. Dorsey is. I don't think is at fault for the third drive failing. I think that was more of the players' execution. But the first half just insanely poor. Yeah. Uh you know, a missed field goal. You get down. You can't execute when you get into Giants territory. It feels to me like it was a little bit of the opposite of the Jazz game where they just kind of got away from the run. And the run was working. It was being really consistent for the most part. And I don't know. I just felt like I felt like they got away from it. And listen, it's a situation where no one, after the Davis fumble, you have a fumble too, two turnovers and a field, missed field goal in the yep. first half, just really poor that gave the Giants – Really good field position. I think that was really a, a huge, a huge thing in this game is that the Giants really dominated the field position battle. 
Mm -hmm. I mean, the Giants, what, they missed two field goals, so they start at the 42. Yep. The interception was around the – they got it around the 40, their own 40. The fumble was around midfield. Like, the Bills did everything wrong in field position to let a terrible offense get going. And they're lucky the defense made stops. We'll talk about that in a second. But just poor play calling, I think, in the first half to go away from the run. I thought it was a little bit too dig-centric. I mm-hmm. think they really did miss Dalton Kincaid. I know Dalton Kincaid may not be being used a lot, but I think they missed his presence out there because he does so much to attract a defense. Yeah, and he creates a lot of separation, you know, gets people on their toes. So, And for me, it's a situation where I think we have to have a serious conversation about Gabe Davis and the fact of is he play, just playing too much to – is he playing too much where he's not going to be effective enough? If they lowered his snap count, would he become more effective? And would someone else like Deontay Hardy, who takes the extra ten snaps from Davis, would could he be if could they be more effective that way? Right. I, I think that's because Diggs is Diggs. Diggs is going to have a high snap count. He's going to be highly effective. I think for me, I'm starting to get in the situation of Davis needs to like wake da- up. Davis not wake up. That's wrong. Davis's snap count I think needs to drop because I think if his snap count dropped, I think he'll be fresher and more effective. And then it gives you the opportunity to give snaps to Deontay Hardy, who I think they need to give more snaps. I didn't think Shakir was that bad either today, but no, Shakir actually had a good play. You know, it's just I don't know, like the Gabe Davis thing. Yeah, the fumble, whatever. I I just like you said, it was very dig centric. And while your offense is going to be, he's your number one wide receiver. For me, I would have definitely liked to see some scheming of other people. The second half, you saw that. You, you know, Deontay Hardy gets that touchdown. Quentin Morris, that wasn't scheme necessarily, but scores a touchdown. Like, you have other playmakers on this team. Let's not well, just like, oh, we need to throw it to Diggs. Go. You know what I mean? Like, like yeah, I, I get it. I do. He's your number one wide receiver. He's a top talent wide receiver in the NFL. But scheme other guys in there, and I, I that's what I would like to see more of. And I get it. Knox dropped the pass at the uh, end. We'll see. I, I think they really miss Kincaid, but I think – they needed to go a little bit more in the ground game. And they did that in the second half, which allowed them to be in... I mean, they lived in second yeah. second medium and third and manageable. You know, in the first half, it felt like third and tens, third and nines, they needed to convert. And that's just... Even how good the Bills' offense is, that's not where you want to be in the National Football League. But going to the number four of the Dome Five. Red zone dominance saves the Bills, Mm -hmm. both offensively and defensively. The Bills had two drives in the red zone. They come away with two touchdowns. Yep. The Bills' defense allowed five red zone possessions. They gave up three field goals with a stop at the end of the half, both halves. That's what won them the game. They won the game because the offense went two for two in the red zone and the defense held... After giving you know all the drives really was mostly poor field position except the first drive in the in the after the touchdown in the well I guess fourth quarter but the second drive of the half of the Giants uh, was the one drive where I thought the defense struggled but the defense came up with big plays obviously poor bad teams make bad decisions and that's what the Giants did and the Bills were able to capitalize on them but the Bills are creative in the red zone. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a big moment. It, the red area is big. In game in tight games like this, it's gonna de- you know. And the Giants had five drives, no touchdowns. Right. Yeah, the Bills defense held them completely out of the end zone and just a three field goals for nine points. So you can't I, you can't complain about the 
the Bills defense at all. I mean, there were some things, yeah, you can nitpick if you really want to, but that defense is the reason why the Bills were even in that game in the second half, you know, able to score two touchdowns and go ahead, you know, like, like that's truthfully yeah. it. I, I think it's a situation where the Bills defense ga- gave up some big runs in the, in the second half. Mm-hmm. I think they gave up some pass plays, but honestly it was pretty decent coverage. Tyrod actually, you know, again, one of the better deep ball underrated elements of his game is the deep ball. Yeah. Some beautifully thrown deep yeah, balls. Do it really well, well, but at mm-hmm. the end of the day, the Bills' defense stood tall in the red zone. They got big plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the Giants shot themselves in the foot with the, the clock management and some penalties. But yikes! Five drives in the red zone and nine points is not efficient football, and it's a heck of a job by the Bills. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You can't discount it. On to the last of the down five. They need to figure out an offensive identity outside of Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. Now, I think they are making an – what is semi-hurting this offense, too, is that they're – I believe they're making a constant effort not to have Josh run. If you see all the rushes, the attempts, the designed runs, they're all extremely low on rate and how many times he's done it through right. six weeks. Um I think that's a situation where when I talked about how when Philadelphia, the Chiefs, I think when we get into December, I think playoff football when, you know, it's all on the line, I think we're going to see that element, which is exciting. But if they're if they're going to purposely not have an important that element into the offense because they want to keep 17 safe for the rest of the year, um, they're going to have to add something else. I think they could be a little bit more creative in the run game, a little more end-arounds. Uh, the Bills just have never developed a screen game. Like it's nope. unbelievable. I don't. I, the Bills get killed on screens constantly. Yeah, and they could never. I don't remember consistently them executing a really good. They get one every screen. so often, and that's it. Like there's no consistency I, I, in the I, screen game. There's no consistent screen game. Um, the running game has been pretty good, other than the Jags game. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, James Cook ran for five yards a carry. I thought Latavius Murray was really solid for most of the game. Um, it's a situation where, again, does Davis's I don't want to say roll, but does Davis's snap count have to decline and Hardy's has to increase? And then, obviously, I think when Kincaid comes back, I think he's going to start exploding. Yeah, um, I hope so. I yeah. mean, that would that would be exciting to see. One, they need they need they need <laughs> one of Knox or Kincaid or really both to really start to stop like their production to step up. They're doing. I think for the most part, they're doing the right thing. Like, they're clearing out coverages for other people. They may not be getting the targets, but they're they're impacting the defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's I think we they really need one of those two guys to really start to become a serious threat uh, in, in, in the passing game to, you know, add another element to this offense. And, again, the, the Bills lost last year because too much on Josh Allen, mm-hmm. too much on Stephon Diggs plate and through six weeks the only thing that's really different right now is the running game is significantly better i think the o-line is better yep so i think what they need to do is they need to figure out how to get the secondary players to be, play more effectively yeah that's that's going to be major and you know we kind of alluded to that a few minutes ago just throughout the dom five it's just alan dig centric works yes but you need variation in there. You need to see Gabe Davis. And like you said, maybe lowering his snap count could increase his productive production. Um, so I wouldn't be opposed to that. Getting Deontay Hardy involved, please. When Kincaid comes back, like you said, Dom, 
you can see him explode. Him and Knox both are very, very, like, they're able to catch passes, and they should both be utilized as such. Knox is being paid like he can, and he's not being schemed in a lot necessarily, you know, and that's, I guess, where the frustration with Dorsey may be a little bit. Like, I'm not, like, riding the Dorsey hate train. Like, if you see Twitter, it's fire Dorsey, all that stuff, but... I mean, the scheming, just let, get a little more creative with different people. That's that's all I would say at this point, you know? Yeah, I, th- I think it's just a situation where it's a little bit on Allen, it's a little bit on Dorsey, and it's yeah. a little bit just on natural execution. Sometimes the play is perfectly covered, uh, so you got to give credit to the defense. Right, but yeah. I think for the Bills to take the next step offensively and become a more consistent offense, I think they're going to need to have those secondary weapons become more consistent. Uh, and the la- listen, two weeks ago, they put up 48 points. Yep. And they they took the dogs off, really, in the last quarter of football. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think there's anything to be super concerned about right no, now. This might be a little low. Uh, it just, it's a little bit of the classic lull. I mean, listen, I think it's frustrating that the Bills throughout the McDermott era have been incredibly inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um, in October and November, we saw it in twenty twenty one. Yeah, uh, and last start, year they started off four and one, and then all of a sudden they're seven and six. Mm-hmm. Last year they were what f- five and one. Yeah, yeah. After the second half of the Green Bay game, things were really they five and one or six and one. I don't know if I remember. whatever. And then all of a sudden they're six and three, so they dropped two. Mm-hmm. Um. Jets in Minnesota, right? Those two close ones. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this year they already dropped one to Jacksonville and nearly dropped one this week. So, last week, excuse me. So, I think it's for, even in 2020, they started off 4 and on when we're 4 and 2, and they had that kind of lull to where they weren't even playing that well, and then they lost on the Hell Murray. And then, yikes. The, 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 you know, the, the situation kind of changed. But I think that's the frustrating part right now is the Bills need to become more a consistent football team on the offensive side. Yeah. I think I think they'll reawaken. I re- I really do. I I don't listen. It's not anything. It's not doom and gloom right now. It's the same situation as not the same situation, but it's the same thing we said in week one. Like the, there's there's a lot of football ahead, and you know they got to win in the win column at the end of the day. So building off of that, which I think they'll do, um, we have a lot more exciting Bills football to watch as the year goes on. And I don't think there's anything to really panic about as of right now. So Yeah, I think it's also a situation, you know, talking a little bit more defensively, they're kind of finding their footing as well of all the injuries. I thought Dorian Williams played a solid game. He did. Ten tackles, right? So, yeah. Something, something like that. that. Something like that. Yeah, I thought mm-hmm. he was really solid. I thought Bernard played a really solid game too. And I thought the D-line was pretty solid for most of the night. We're going to see Vaughn, I think, start to – he had 20 snaps against Jacksonville, 27 mm-hmm. – uh, against the Giants, so we're going to yeah. start seeing him kind of get ramped up here, and, you know, when he starts to get going, that's going to be another, you know, player to uh, the defense. And then I th- I didn't think Elam was terrible, but I didn't think he was great either. So, you know, getting Dane Jackson back over Elam, I think is going to be an upgrade for this defense. And I thought Benford was solid. I mean, he made the big play in fourth down, mm-hmm. the pass breakup, and I, I, I had to say, I think this was the best game of Jordan Poirier's season. So yeah. I think that's another really highlight thing to talk about is if Jordan Poirier is starting to get more comfortable with that knee, more healthy, mm-hmm. uh, having him and Hyde back there to help out those young corners. And then uh, Taron Johnson is just, you know, he is a dude. Yeah, he's our guy. I mean, 
I you knew he was though since since the beginning. I mean that a couple years back that pick six in the divisional round against Baltimore. You know he's always he's always been he's always had that dog in him. So I, I have something fun to ask. Uh, tri- more you know okay. trivia based. Okay. Josh Allen is now five and zero in his career on Sunday football. He is now seven and zero on NBC. Can uh, you name? He's beaten six teams. Seven and zero on NBC. Can you name the six teams? There's no way I won't be able to. I'm telling you that right now. I can tell you one: the Giants. Okay, the Giants. <laughs> um, take it back now. Sunday Night Football. The Bears. No. No, I have no idea. No idea. No, I won't be. I wow. can't go back that far to specific. All games. right, so he's five and zero on Sunday night. He's played four teams in Sunday night football. He's beaten the Steelers in twenty nineteen, the Steelers in twenty twenty, he's beaten the Chiefs in twenty twenty one, he's beaten uh, the Green Bay Packers in twenty twenty two, and he's obviously beaten the Giants in twenty twenty three. He also on Thursday. NBC opening night game. He beat oh, the Rams. The Los Angeles yeah, Rams. Yeah, I forget. The first game of the year is uh, and, not prime. And in 2020, they played a playoff game against the Baltimore Ravens on NBC and beat them 17-3. to Yeah, that's Terry so, Johnson's return game. Terry right? Johnson's yeah. return game. Mm-hmm. So he is 7-0 and on NBC. That's actually that's a major stat. I mean, that I, I didn't – again, can't go back – for whatever reason, I can't. I the Green Bay, yeah, but um, no, that's crazy. Seven and zero on NBC. That's cool. You also know that the the Bills, you know, coming up now on November fifth, have been very successful playing teams that they play in the playoffs the last couple of years when they've played them again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know the team that they lost to? That they beat in the playoffs. That or? they play in the playoffs, and then the next time they play them, they lost. Beat them or. Doesn't matter if they beat or lost. Next time they played in the playoffs, they lost them. Can you name the team? From twenty nineteen on. From twenty nineteen on. Um Let me think. The Jaguars? No, that was but that was Tyrod. No. That was before Allen. Well, it was twenty seventeen on. It's still incorrect. I I'll I'll just so twenty seventeen, they lost the Jags. Next time they played them was twenty eighteen and they killed them with Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. Twenty nineteen they lost to Houston. Next time play they played Houston was twenty twenty one. They won four did nothing. That's right. Twenty because yeah, that was originally Tyrod's return game, and then he was injured. Twenty twenty they played three teams: the Kansas City Chiefs, who they lost in the AFC title game. Mm-hmm. The following year they beat them in twenty twenty one. Yep, beat the Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens in twenty twenty. The the twenty twenty two they beat the Ravens. Twenty twenty wild card, super wild card. They played the Indianapolis Colts. They got schlacked by the Colts in 2021. Mm-hmm. That's the only team they lost to. Because then, in 2022, they played the New England Patriots in the wild card. Beat them both times in 20... 21, sorry. 21, they played the Patriots in the wild card. Beat them both times in 22. Yep. And then they lost the Chiefs in 21. Beat them in 22. 23. And then the 2022 playoffs in the wild card, they played the Miami Dolphins. Beat them so far this year. And now... They they're gonna play the Bengals. I guess they're gonna play the Dolphins again, but I'm, I'm if even if they lose, I'm not counting that in my stats. But we'll see what happens with the Bengals. I mean, listen, I'm saying like McDermott has had for whatever reason they've had. He's a, had a good revenge record. Very good revenge record, or uh-huh. the only team. That, I, I mean, honestly, I'm did you just see the balloons come across the screen? I did see yeah. that. that was, <laughs> it's a celebration. Thank here. you. 
I appreciate that. You know, sometimes we have fun. We have, we have fun here on on the Buffalonian podcast. <laughs> we try uh, to. Hopefully, you guys pause that. Uh, for both the, I mean, that's your trivia aspect of the of the pod. You know, we haven't really done that much, but that what the heck, you know. Yeah. Well, do we want to get into the AFC East games and then head into some Sabres talk pending their game against Tampa tonight? Yes, sir. Alrighty. So we first go to the Dolphins and the Panthers. Dolphins were struggling in the first little the first little bit there. They were. Uh, the Panthers were actually putting on a show. Uh, then it was two to Tyreek the entire game. It was just they were they were cooking on all cylinders. They took it from him. Um, had Adam Thielen in fantasy. He had a couple couple big plays there, you know, helped out. Uh, the Panthers, you know, not looking too bad with Bryce Young. But the Dolphins' offense is just overwhelming for a lot of teams. Defenses, unfortunately, they're very high-flying, high-scoring. Um, and if, you know, your offense is subpar uh, with a rookie quarterback, that subpar Dolphins' defense will match up okay against it. So they eventually figured it out. Um, Tua to Tyreek started happening. Um, Tua looked great in this in, after the first, like you know, the discrepancies in the first few minutes. Um, what did you think of that game? I mean, the Dolphins just spotted the Panthers a quarter and still, yeah, they didn't score another offensive point. Yeah. The last, the only touchdown was a pick six. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it was just one of those games where I don't think, even as a Bills fan, I didn't really think that even when they were down fourteen nothing that. The Dolphins are out of the game at all against, especially against the Panthers. And listen, it's a good win for the Dolphins. They uh, took they care advanced. of business. Did mm-hmm. but now listen, I I really wish the Bills did the Dolphins and just not stomped on the Giants. But at the end of the day, both teams won one and zero this week. They maintained their one game division lead, and they have a big game coming up against the Eagles on Sunday Night Football. Yeah, and the Eagles just lost to the New speaking York. Speaking of the Eagles, speaking of yeah. Um, Wow, what a game. Zach Wilson coming through. Um, now we can't hear anything from anyone about, hey, Zach Wilson beat Giants Yellen. No, he beat, the, he beat the defending NFC champions as well. So, um, listen, Zach Wilson's got talent at the end of the day. Aaron Rodgers, just before we even go further, Aaron Rodgers is walking and throwing footballs on the field, and he, he ruptured his Achilles week one. Like, we're one month out from that injury at that point. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's wild, first of all, but... The Jets' defense is nothing to be messed with, and the Eagles found that out. Um, defensively, the Jets are super strong. We, I mean, from experience, the Bills experienced that week one. Um, pressure on the quarterback, you know, the interceptions. Jalen Hurts threw three interceptions. I like to Josh Allen's three interceptions in week one. It's just, you know, the Jets are no joke, even without Aaron Rodgers, and that's the thing. At the end of the day, people are like, oh, the Bills lost to the Jets. Josh Allen lost to Zach Wilson. The Jets are a good football team. Imagine if, if they had Rodgers I, I, the I, entire year. Like that's the, crazy. The to me. Jets have a solid football team. I, don't, I hesitate to say good because their I defense is what makes them good. Offensively, they still just have just some. I mean, they're just injured now. Right, Elijah Vera Tucker going down. Obviously, no Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, they're they're a, they're a good, solid football team. I wouldn't say good, mm-hmm. but listen, it's a telltale sign. In the National Football League, you can't turn the ball over. Right. And if you turn the ball over, you're going to let... The Jets are an inferior team to the Eagles, especially without their top two corners. And mm-hmm. the Eagles turned the ball over and kept the the Jets into the game. And eventually, you got to give credit to the Jets. They took advantage of those turnovers and were able to get enough points uh, to win the game. And it's a bad loss for the Eagles because the Eagles now have like the toughest eight-game stretch like 
ever yeah. imaginable, starting yeah. with the Dolphins, and it doesn't end till like week. No, they hit the Bills 15. at one point too. So I think their last three games are pretty easy, but mm-hmm. the next eight is going to be really a hard stretch for the Eagles. So, and especially because the Eagles already knew that the Niners already lost the Browns, so that was a missed opportunity for them to kind of get uh, a game up on everyone in the NFC. So mm-hmm. yeah, missed opportunity for the Eagles. Got to give credit to the Jets, though. I mean, they're they're they play really hard and. They were able to make some big-time plays defensively to put their offense in good situations. Yeah. And Listen, they're a scary defense to play, but you cannot turn the ball over. No. doesn't matter what team you play. It doesn't matter what offense you play against. Turnovers um, lead to points for the other team. The, the, Bills, got, the Bills got lucky this, this last game with the turnovers and the poor play on the field position yeah. to survive, only give up nine points. Well, the Eagles were not so lucky. Listen, we knew that Bills game. I think we talked about it on Friday. It was 14 and a half point favorites when we talked about it. It the final line was 15 and a half. That was the Lego brick that's been sitting in the carpet for four months. You knew that was a trap game. We literally said that on Friday. Like that I, had the I opportunity. That had an opportunity to be a trap game. We said. I mean, I guess I don't. I wouldn't consider it a trap game because they're coming off a loss. Right. Um, but it had I guess the opportunity. It was closer than you think. Coming off London, I guess. But those are just excuses. That I mean, the Bills should have pummeled that team. They should have. There's no excuse. I mean, the Bills should have pummeled that team. But again, we talked about a win's win. We're moving forward. We don't, you know, learn from the past, but we move forward. We move forward. We move forward to the New England Patriots. But we'll talk and more the about Las that. Vegas Raiders. Yeah. Because the Patriots are the next team on the Josh Buffalo McDaniels Bills schedule. Three and zero over Bill Belichick. Yeah, just a pathetic <laughs> game for the Patriots Yikes. again. Nineteen uh, seventeen had an opportunity to drive down the field, win the game, safety. Obviously, Devontae Parker just an unbelievable drop on a forty. One yeah. of Mac Jones' best plays all year, just drop. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean the Patriots really are not playing good football. They're one five now, and yeah, you know what? It's uh, unfortunate. Really, it's also not, about that game. Nothing is unfortunate about this. Oh, about that game? No, for Bill Belichick's sake. No, Brian Hoyer. And Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Jimmy Garoppolo left the... He went to get his back examined, right? But he's all right. Like, he's just out for a little bit. And then we have Brian Hoyer, too. The ultimate New England revenge game. I don't care. Nothing's unfortunate about it. They deserve all of it. They do. I'm not saying they don't. I'm just saying it's unfortunate for Bill Belichick. No, it's not. It is. He deserves it. As much as he deserves it, it's unfortunate for him. Like, yeah, like, I I, I don't feel bad for him. it's 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 not unfortunate. He caused it. Put yourself in his shoes. It's unfortunate. No, it's not because he caused all of it. He he's the GM, my boy. He's not like he's the coach and he's just being like a lamb off to sh- slaughter. He is the he signs Juju Smith Schuster to the with same, an exploded knee with an exploding knee to the same <laughs> contract that Jacoby Myers has for Vegas. Yeah. No, yeah, you're right. He did it it's to not, himself. It's not. It's Bill's fault that he has an outdated. State of you mind. You think his job's on the line? Yeah, he's gone. He's gone after this year. No, you think? I, yes. Why would they keep him? They're gonna go. Listen. You think Belichick's gone? I um, think I don't want to get too heavy into it because I don't want to be like get caught if the Bills somehow lose to this team. But this team is not good. <laughs> I mean, just a fact: the Patriots are not a good football team this year. Their offense is just absolutely horrific. Their it's offensive bad. line for the first time in a while is terrible. They can't get a ground game going. Their weapons actually suck. Mm-hmm. Mac Jones. Who I don't think is terrible, but like he's he's not he's not he's not a ceiling raiser. No, um, you know he's kind of a guy that needs people around him to be successful, and he doesn't have diddly squat and who to blame other than the coach who happens to also be the general manager. So I forgot he's also the general manager too. And also Bill O'Brien maybe taking him some time to adjust back to the NFL game from the college game. 
only six games, so I guess we'll see with that. But defensively, they have some banged up injuries, and again, not trying to get too much into a preview, but I'm, <laughs> gosh darn, I'm, no, I don't want to no, hear a we'll word. We'll save. We'll save. I don't want to hear or a Friday. word from anyone saying, "Oh, it's unfortunate for Bill Belichick," or "Oh, sympathy for Bill Belichick." You know, he's so that close. wasn't me giving he's, him sympathy he's so at all. Close. I mean, it was he's just so close to who is it? Don Shula's record for most wins. No, listen, my guy, congratulations. Andy Reid's gonna pass you in two in a couple of years, anyways. It don't even matter. It does not even matter, my guy. Just <laughs> end it. You're tarnishing your legacy by continuing to just unable to to adjust your scheme. And I think that's that is the big thing in sports is that you need to always be adjusting your. The scheme. game from the early two thousands is way different from now. It's the same thing in basketball. People, if you took a, a head coach from basketball in the 2000s, put him in a coma for 20 years, he'd wake up and go, what the hell game are they playing? <laughs> like, it's a completely different game. <laughs> like, look at baseball. Yeah. It's a completely different game. You don't see a starting pitcher go more than, like, six innings now. No. They used to pitch 200 innings a year. Now they don't – like, two guys maybe get to that total. It is – Sports constantly involved. Look at college football, mm-hmm. Alabama. What where were they built off ten years ago? Running game or good running backs, strong defense. They're winning national championships with AJ freaking McCarron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now right, they yeah. have Bryce Young, <laughs> Tua. They had Jalen Hurts, Nick Saban, who is buddy buddy with Bill Belichick. Yeah, he needs to get he, in his ear and say, involved. "What are we doing, man?" He involved, and he and now, and now they kind of like they're they're. Caught a little bit, so their team, their team's not that good. They're in a talent decline. A There's bit. a lull right now. Lull, thank yeah, you. A lull in talent. But it's a thing. Every sport evolves. Bill Belichick has not evolved his way of thinking. It's still go. He still believes. Oh, if we built it on these slow, slow receivers, mm-hmm. tight ends, and just defense, you're gonna win. No, you need an offense. Yes, yeah. defense wins championships. You need an all, defense all, is all talented receiver. Defense is important in the playoffs. But if you don't have weapons for your quarterback, your quarterback's going to suck, especially if you drafted a quarterback that needs weapons to be successful. Every right. quarterback needs weapons to be successful. But Mac Jones is not a ceiling raiser. It's not like Mac Jones is Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, a guy that can like create, be creative, can arm, can kind of – has traits. Mac Jones is limited. He's just a dude. He's just a dude, and like you that's win it. With at him, the end of the day, that's what it is. With, you could win with him. They saw. They saw it. They his, won his rookie season. They were winning with him. They won ten games. Yeah, and I just, I pathetic, man. And don't ever come back. Don't ever open I, your listen, mouth. No, listen, no, 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 no. Don't no. ever, ever, ever open your mouth again and say it's an unfortunate for Bill. You're on. You're misunderstanding. It is, not, it is not. It is not unfortunate. It is great. It is glorious. No, it, it is, is something we've all been waiting for our entire since we have been born in 2002. It's been 21 years. We have waited <laughs> for this moment. This moment has finally come where the Patriots suck, and you're going to tell me, "Oh, it's unfortunate." Listen, I'm not saying it's unfortunate. You're you're misinterpreting what I'm saying. It's unfortunate for Bill Belichick. He can't. Do his job anymore. That's what I'm saying. It's not. It's There's great. No pity. It's glorious. I'm not it giving is, him. Giving it, pity it is great. I'm not giving him any pity. I'm just. Yes, saying. you are. You just said it's unfortunate for him that he can't do his job. It is awesome. I I've wanted this dude is the biggest jerk in the NFL history. I'm not. I'm not supporting him at all. You're giving I'm, him pity, I'm, I'm fine with it. All I'm saying <laughs> is that it's unfortunate he can't coach a team. That's all I'm saying. No, That's not, all I'm but saying. it's not though. Listen, it's not unfortunate. Unfortunate. I'm not saying it's sad. It's it's upsetting. It's not. It's none of those things. It's fantastic. It's glorious. Like you it's said, glorious. I know. That's what I'm saying. It's not unfortunate though. 
It's unfortunate for the people in New England. Who the hell cares about the people in New England? They have six Super Bowls. Listen. Okay. All right. I will not say unfortunate anymore. The people in New England. Oh, my God. In our lifetime, the people in New England have what? Seen the Celtics win an NBA championship. Seen the Red Sox win four, four World Series. Seen the, the Patriots win six Super Bowls. Seen the Bruins win a Stanley Cup. Like, what are you they're talking done. about? No, they're done. What are you yeah. talking about? Oh, it's unfortunate for the people in New England. Screw them. <laughs> We can't even get one. We can't. Our hockey team can't even make the playoffs. Listen, they're one point out from the playoffs last season. They're getting there. All right, we're they're the next dynasty. I'm telling you that right now. Speaking of, it's time for a content switch. After that's probably the most heated I've ever seen. <laughs> Dom just go off on this show. Yeah, she get you like a Bill Belichick hoodie and get him to sign for you and say thanks for your pity. I don't have pity for Bill Belichick. It's just. I'm not even. We're not even going to continue this conversation. We're going to sit here for 20 minutes, just, just, just arguing that. Um, but the Sabers, they're 0 and 2 on their season. They play the Tampa Bay Lightning tonight. But let's just talk about the Rangers game. Are you talking about the most important thing though? Owen Power. Owen Power. Yes, he was post pod <laughs> last week. Yeah, we, that was we did not. Part. We did not catch his extension. Seven year contract, 8.35 million dollars per year. Deserved? He's not scoring on his own goal anymore. That's now gone to Connor Clifton. So um, I, th- I think we've we've he's he's switched out of that role. So <laughs> that was um, good. That was a good one. <laughs> so I, listen, I'm I'm all for getting the talent while they can, especially with the cap going up too. Um, would you, if you were him though, the possibility for a bridge, like what Darlene did? The cap's going up, right? Like he could have definitely bridged his contract and waited. For the cap to go up and get more money, would you have done that if you were him? Would you try to negotiate that, or would you just take the money like he did? Yeah, I think this is a little bit different from a Dalene contract. I feel like that was more fair for both teams. I think there's mm-hmm. obvious value of the Sabers. This is a value contract for the Sabers, and I, I, if I was Owen Power's agent, I wouldn't have signed this contract. No, I just, I don't, I just, I think this guy has a lot of talent and. Sure, is eight plus million dollars a lot right now for him? Right is, now, is, yeah. is he is his value right now eight million dollars? Some would say fortunate. Some would say <laughs> probably not. If if we're saying right now he's probably worth six million dollars, yeah. But this is a second year in the league. Mm-hmm. In four years, twenty five. How much money do you think he's going to be worth? Probably what ten? Yeah, something like that. If 10, you 11. if you believe in Owen Power like I do, when I think the organization does, I think the entire NHL believes in Owen Power. And he wouldn't have gotten he's, the contract. He's probably going to be worth ten million dollars. Mm-hmm. He's getting paid eight point three five. I mean, that's a, that's a steal of a contract in four years. It's not a steal right now. I don't think he's quite worth eight right now. But no. you're betting on his future. Also, you have another year left right. until he's actually paid eight. So right. So if he breaks out this year, then you're like, okay, you know what I yeah. mean? Like over the I next couple of years, this guy's you, a stud. Money. This guy's a stud. You saw us. Jake Sanderson set the market, signing for eight point oh five for eight years. He kind of set the market for a guy that's after his rookie year going to go into his ELC, ending wants a contract. Uh, he set the, Jake Sanderson set the market. The the Sabers then jumped on it uh, pretty quickly after that. And listen, they get a fair contract for a player who's going to be an elite borderline franchise defenseman when you already have one of those having two of the two horses yeah uh, on the blue line and then we talk about this a lot it's really important uh to win a stanley cup you need to have dudes on the back end you need to have elite dudes on the back end the sabers have two of them uh and this is this is a good contract man. it is no i like it i like owen power um i think he also has the best hair on the team he's got the lettuce man um 
you know, it's just I, I like it. I like that he signed. Like you said, the value is going to show in the next few years. The organization believes in him. I believe in him. You believe in him. Do you believe in him, Mooch? Okay, producer believes in him. Um, I think you know everyone believes in Owen Power. I think we're going to get some good value. The out only of the person contract. who I heard that doesn't believe in him is Bill Belichick. So you know. that's unfortunate. Some would say. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, he's also a Swifty, so whatever. Anyway, listen. Let's get it. <laughs> Let's, let's let's get into the two losses now, okay? Sorry. The Bills and Sabres kryptonite are actual New York teams, except the Bills teams play in New Jersey. Um, the Rangers, Sabres lose 5-1. to one. Just not great. Flat. Flat, pitiful, unfortunate, pitiful. some would say. You know, tough loss. <laughs> I, I listen I, after that game. I was you like, okay, need to erase that word unfortunate. from your vocabulary. Okay, I'll erase for the rest of this pod until the Bill Belichick <laughs> thing's settled. We'll we'll erase it. But, but listen, special teams is a blunder. I mean, giving up a power, penalty kill, you know, shorthanded goal, giving up a power play goal when there is no one guarding the guy in front. I don't know how the Sabers, year after year, year after year, cannot have. A league average penalty kill. No, it's they don't. Absolutely ridiculous. It's not like they don't have the dudes. It's like it's this. It's mostly system based. To not have a league average penalty kill is needs to improve. I think throughout the two games, I think I'm, I'm mostly just going to bunch the two games together because there's only been two games. Yeah, that's uh, also a big big point I want to make. We have 80 games left on the season. Okay, true. We're 141st of the way. Through it's the a lot. You know what? You know where the panic is coming in, and then I'll let you make your point. Mm-hmm. The panic's coming in from a lot of Bills fans who are now realizing that the Sabers are like actually, you know, could be playoff bound this season. And oh no, we lost two games. There's not just 17 games in a season here. There's 82 in an entire season. So you know, you could drop a few. They dropped eight games in the middle of November last year in a row, and we're one point away from the playoffs. So yeah, well, you don't want to do, listen. We don't want to do that again. I think the but, frustration you know. for me is that this season is so important, and to start off pretty slow is pretty disappointing mm-hmm. uh especially when you have your number one goaltender start both games i didn't think levi was bad i 26 also, for 30 against the rangers i mean 81 city percentage gave up seven goals in two games not great uh also not terrible i think defensively they've actually been pretty decent yeah not bad uh really not bad so i think both i think that's i think to me that is a tough part of these two games and why i think they'll rebound is Really, that they've lost the two games because the lack of offense, not because of, oh, they've given up, you know, all this quality against and the goaltending's been bad. I don't think they've given up a lot of quality against. They've been really quality defensively, and I think the goaltending's been all right. I don't think it's been the reason they've lost games. I think it's unfortunate that, what, they've given up seven goals of Levi, and it feels like four of them have been kind of tip goals and goalie you know, a goal off the, the skate of Clifton. There was a couple two-on-ones. Um, obviously, you know, you wish he could maybe stop that shot from Panarin, but Panarin's one of the premium, has one of the most premium shots in the entire National Hockey League. Yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's the offense that has really struggled, and so is special teams. And special teams needs to improve. Here we go on this rant. <laughs> Here we go. Thank God that Don Granado understands that it's two games into an important season 
and took Victor Olison to the bench. Yes. You are dog. Get off this team. I cannot believe. Golifson is not a necessary name. Like, please stop. He scored open netters last I season. cannot like, believe that we have players in the National Hockey League making barely a million dollars. And this man is making $4.75 million. Bogus. Easily the worst value contract on the entire team. Thank God it is one year left. This guy is terrible. Listen, the Paterka cousins Olus line has been awful. In the short time they've played together, they have under thirty, a little under 33% uh, goals, expected goals, which is terrible. You want 50 is average. 50 is you have as much quality for as against. They're 33%. Last year, in short time together, about 15 minutes on 5-on-5, five five, they were at 40%. Yeah. So I don't know who thought that was going to work again. It didn't work <laughs> last year. It didn't work this year. Thank God they've pivoted from it. Yeah. They and didn't try and fix it, or they just said, all right, we're done. Thank God. Listen, I think it's fresh. The top line has been frustrating, too. I mean, I don't I don't know if any of them really has a point. None of them has a goal. Uh, they need to play better. The third line has been amazing. Jordan Greenway is a man. Just an absolute unit. Yeah, of a man. that's looking like one of the best pickups by this team right now. He obviously was more banged up than I think any of us realized at the end of the last year. Yeah. He's playing with Zach Benson. Since right now, if Zach Benson's plays continues and he is sent down, if he if he plays good the next seven games and gets mm-hmm. to the nine game plateau and he's still playing really solid, I mean he's a point per game player right now, uh, two assists, yeah, two games, he is. um, and he gets sent down to WHL, we are going as the Buffalo Wing Podcast and having pitchforks, <laughs> and we are gonna like have blow horns. Oh my God, we're gonna, we're gonna be right next to the. the You're in a riot today, French, my I, God. I, I am loaded up. <laughs> we are going to the game. I'm trying to get amped. Um, I'm yeah, amped. we we'll be have pitchforks because this guy's playing like one of the best players on the team right now. That line's been the best line on the team. I think the fourth line is whatever. It's just kind of always gonna be, you know, a low event style. I'm very excited to add Payne Krebs to Cousins and Paterka because this is what makes no sense. And we're having this non-emotional conversation. About Olsen. Olsen is a guy that offers you nothing in transition. And you are pairing, you paired him with JJ Paterka and Dylan Cousins. And what do they want to do? They want to fly. Mm-hmm. They want to go. That's why Greenway, Benson, and Nelstad work so well together because they aren't dom- super dominant in transition, but they can move the puck in transition. And they're all three of them are very good four checkers. Yes. The fourth line, why does that work well together? Because Gergens and Zaposo and Krebs can all play the cycle game. That fits their role. Mm-hmm. The first line, why does that work well together? Because the first line is also very much transition-based. That's why it's been frustrating the first two games when you play the 1-3-1, one, one, you know, more of the neutral and trap, is because they take away your transition game, and that's why we've seen the top two lines struggle. But the main reason why the second line has struggled so much is because Victor Olsen offers nothing in transition other than standing there and goes, oh, the puck's a little bit out of my reach. Ah, oh, shucks, man. Mm-hmm. You, know what, you know what I'm not going to do, though? I'm not going to help even put a little bit of effort defensively to get the puck back. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to stand in the slot and, uh, oh, my shoe's untied. I'll tie my shoe in the middle of play. Like, escape, excuse me. Lord, I was not expecting no, you to come in hot just, like this. I get it. It's Olafson. It's just, it's just, just pathetic. Right it is pathetic that he was, that they thought anything else was going to happen. But listen, I am proud of my Sabres, though, because they realized that this man cannot be counted on two mm-hmm. games in. Made a good roster They've move. made an adjustment. I like Yost with... Again, Yost can play the game of Oposo 
and Crab, and Posto and Gergensen's the cycle game. Yep. I also think he's a good penalty killer, so that adds a little bit more of a special team development. He was a good part of the penalty kill last year, too. Yep, and I like Krebs getting a top six role opportunity. This is Mm -hmm. a big moment for Krebs. Krebs was really solid on the wing in the World Championships this year for Canada. Uh, I think this is a great opportunity to play with Cousins, play with Paterka. He plays... He, he'll add a little grit to that line, I think. Yeah. And he can play in transition. I think that, that line is going to start to boom. I think we're going to see the top line. I think a lot of people forget this. The top line last year got off to a slow start. I think Thompson's had like one goal in the first five yeah. games, maybe six games. And it was immediately, oh, this contract. No, yeah. All that stuff. yeah. So I, I think we're going to see the top line get going. At the end of the day, the Sabres need their stars to be stars. Shine. And right now... They really haven't been. I mean, Darlene's been all right. He really hasn't, hasn't been great. I think Power was bad game one, good game two. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see again, the top, li- the top line hasn't been good. I thought Samuelson's played pretty decent so far. Middle stat, he's showing out. Yeah, again, no, no. That, that, that line, third line is the scoring line of the year that, so far. It's, and that's it's exciting. Great. That's exciting because you then I I believe that the top line's going to get going. I believe that they could get the Cousins line going, and then you could have three lines plus your cycle line. Uh, is very exciting. Yeah, uh, it's just, depth is here in the city of Buffalo on the Sabers. It's just a situation where can they get can Levi take his game up a notch because mm-hmm. they're going to need him to. He needs to play a little bit better. Um, I think the defense needs to take their game up. I think everyone just needs to take the game up a notch. Yeah, everyone. Listen, game one is incredibly disappointing. That was a flat performance at home. Uh, really unacceptable. Uh, kind of is a little bit of what the, the Bills-Jets game was, the Steelers-Bills game a couple years ago. Maybe they didn't play enough in the preseason, so maybe they weren't ready. I don't really know the situation. Game two, let's, I'll put it this way. Game two, the Sabres outplayed the Islanders. They just didn't come through in the big moments. And for whatever reason, with seven minutes to go, Victor Olsen's on the ice, and <laughs> well, guess what happens? Well, yeah. yeah. Shucks, who, who could have thought that uh, would be the case? But... Um, they made the, the necessary roster move. They got bullied into it by people on Twitter, which were hopefully will be correct. And it's two games in the year. They played two games of the trap. Yeah. If the Sabres are going to be the team that we think they are, they need everyone to play a little bit better, and they need the offense to step it up. And I, be, I, believe, I believe that will happen. I believe that happened. There's uh, a lot. Do of, you believe in miracles is the real question. It's not a miracle. But I, I believe in this team, and I believe that Zach Benson is a dog. I do too. And Zach Benson, he's going to be a huge player in this team. And I would, I listen. Just makes you excited, doesn't it? Seeing these, like a young guy like him. My eight, only, eight, what, how was he? 19, 18 years old, something like that. Eighteen. My 18? only, my only fear of him is this: is that him being so small and him playing the game he is. I just hope he can stay. We'll see if he can stay healthy. Yeah. That's my only if. It's the same thing with Savoy. Savoy kind of plays that same way. We've seen Savoy have shoulder issues. Mm-hmm. Adding him back. Benson likes to get chippy with yeah, the old add, guys. I love to add, see it. Adding, <laughs> you know, they ha- again, this first, whatever stretches without Jack Quinn, they have to be able to survive. And right now they're on two, but I believe in this team. I, I do too. I believe. I believe let's believe. go to this week. Yes. The Tampa what Bay Lightning or tonight. We're going. On ESPN. On ESPN. Not a TNT game. Um, or an e- it's not an ESPN Plus game, is it? Or is it just it's full? ESPN? I think it's actually on ESPN. ESPN. Okay, cool. Um, you know, Stephen A. might be commentating. Beware, the only thing he knows is the puck is black, though, so you might not get the best analysis. So come back here next week for it. 
Um, Tampa Bay Lightning taking on the Sabres tonight, and then the Calgary Flames are taking on the Sabres. Uh, that's Saturday or Thursday? Thursday. Thursday. Um, that that should be a, a good game. I Listen, the Sabres, any game's going to be a good game. You just got to hope you start seeing consistent play out of every line and uh, see our top line start scoring, so that would be ideal. Um, but, I mean, what, what do you think they need to do? And then they play the Islanders again on Saturday. And then they play Monday. Monday. Uh, against... Montreal. Yeah, uh, Canadians. So, so we have four games that we're going to comment on next Tuesday. Four, four home games. Four so this, home this games. This is a big moment for this team. Yeah. A little four game against Tampa's really struggled defensively. Right. Calgary's not great defensively. Obviously, New York is strong, but Montreal is not. So three out of the four, you're playing teams that really struggle defensively. So this is where your the Islanders starters keeps yeah. start going. Like, you want to see that out of these Let's games. Let's pick it up. Yeah. Uh, obviously, on Next week, Tuesday, they play in Ottawa, too. We won't cover that game because obviously it won't happen, but that's a back-to-back. So this is a huge stretch for the Sabres to get. We're going to know a lot more. Listen, we're only, we're only a two-game sample. Yeah. We're going to be at a six-game sample next week, and that, that, that will be very telling. You'll see what the uh, team's really about after. Well, yeah. not really like full-on, but you'll see more of what the team's about. This is a stretch where the Sabres have to get back to 500 yep. after six games. They have to be at worst three and three. And I think they could beat the Islanders, though, in all in all seriousness. It was two to three, well, yeah, right? Three it to was. Two. Three to two. Three to two. It was... It, it, it was an attainable game for well, them. No, like they were playing rowdy the entire game. It's just they the need Sabres their offensive can, starters to actually kick into gear and go. The that, Sab- that would change it. The Sabres can be any team in the NHL. This is just going to be, I think, things to look at in this stretch are offense. What what does the ra- the lineup changes do? Does the Cousins line take the step? Does the Yost line solidify? Do we see the stars become stars? Do we see Dylan Cousins step up? Do we see Alex Tuck step up? Jeff Skinner, Tate Thompson, Rasmus Dahlin, Um Power. Do they take their games to the next step? And how is the goaltending situation going to play out? Because Levi's obviously not going to play all four games. He's played the first two. He's playing tonight. He was in the starters net yep. tonight, I believe. So that's three in a row. Um, Comrie was the backup game one. UPL was the backup game two. It's going to be interesting to see. What they Which go with one there. of those two gets the first game that's non-Levi, and then how many games does Levi play? I would say out of the four, I would assume he plays two, and each of them gets one. Um, and we'll see. I I would assume that one of the, I would assume that he's obviously he's playing tonight. I'd assume one of them gets the Calgary game. I think Levi might get New York. And I think one the other one gets Montreal because then you have Ottawa and back to back. So I think Levi will get one of those games and the backup will get the other. So maybe Levi starts two games, someone starts two, and someone starts one. I don't. I, I, I we don't know how they're doing. I wouldn't have expected him to get three straight starts to begin the year, but here we are. And uh, yeah, listen, we're excited to the to check it out. Um, Tampa as a team that's one two. Obviously, without Vasilevsky, I don't know if Stankos is playing tonight. He wasn't on the skate. Um, it's a good opportunity to be a division rival, mm-hmm. get in the win column, especially at home. I thought for a chance that we were going to see the first goal at home because I thought they were going to get shut out by the Rangers, but J.J. Paterka said no to that. Nope. Yeah, Paterka put his foot down on that one. Um, listen, I think we're in for a good game tonight. I think the rest of the games this week are going to be entertaining games. The Sabres can win. Except the Islanders game. That game will be boring because the Islanders play the trap because they're losers. Right. Right. So, 
three of the four games will be entertaining. I think we'll, I think we're going to see some high scores. I think we're going to see five goals. I think if I would predict the week. I think I think the Sabres are going to go 3-1. You think we'll see a touchdown and an extra point anywhere in there? Oh, yeah. Seven? I think they get seven. My <laughs> bold take, bold take, the Sabres score seven plus in one of these next four games. I think they're going to go 3-1. and one. I think we're going to be sitting here Tuesday going into Ottawa 3-3. Three and three. And I think the leading point scorer for the Buffalo Sabres through six games will be Casey Middlestad. Okay. I love that. I'm hopping on it. Casey Middlestad. No, you can't. No, no. You cheeser. You can't, you listen, can't steal my thunder. Listen, no. Well, I'm just, I'm agreeing with you. Uh, yeah, but you know, you know, pick a, pick a, I, listen, pick a new one. Fine. I think Tage Thompson goes off. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, actually, that's really, I think he cooks. I think he'll be the leading goal scorer. Yeah, I think he. I think he scores five goals. In yeah, Middlestad will probably have a bunch of assists. Greenway, that whole line is, I think, going to still cook though. Like, there's no question about it. If they're, if they already look as good as they do, and they're producing, and they continue to over these next four games. Um, there's no question in my mind that the that you will be correct on that. But Tage well, will probably be the leading goal. Let's scorer. put it this way: Jeff's looking at points. Jeff Skinner, nine million dollars, no points. Victor Olsen, four the Skinner contract is always brought up. Victor, Victor Olsen, four point seven five million dollars, no points. Dylan Cousins, seven plus, no points. Tage Thompson, seven plus, no points. Alex Tuck, nearly five million, no points. Raz Stalin, one point. Through power, through two point. games though. It'll through two games. Out. I'm It'll saying it's through two games, but I'm saying if you want to, if you want to blame people, why the Sabers have not won a game in their first two games? It's because their stars have played like dog. And their stars need to play like stars, not dog. They yeah. didn't have that dog in them, <laughs> but they need to play like stars. Yeah. It also just honestly doesn't help you that they just punted the first two games having victuals in the top six. But you know. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. But hopefully, he's out. hopefully we he's see out. hopefully we I'm hopeful, praying to the gods. We either see tonight Devin Levi's first career shutout or Zach Benson's first career goal. I think we could. See I both. hope. I hope one of them. How we almost saw both? Jack Quinn's first career goal. We saw Devlinger's first career win. We last saw. Year. Yeah, didn't we see? Well, we saw Owen Power's first career loss at home. So I mean, if that counts for anything. So <laughs> I don't know. I we're, you and I are kind of. We saw Tage's hat trick last year. We had some B success. The two of us. Yeah. Boys it's in the when, box had some R success. It's, it's when the four of us go that there's there's questions. Well, it was four of us, not three. Three um, of us. Oh, when the three of us go, yeah, there's there's some questions. So. Uh, but but, lastly, before we go. Yes. Not talking about Sabres. Do you do you think they're gonna go three and one or four and zero? Give me four and zero. I'm optimistic. Okay. Okay. I think. I think. Listen, the Islanders. You're right. They play that cheap crap, cheap shit. I think the Sabres beat them. And though. do you think Levi gets two or more starts? I think he gets, he gets, he gets two. two starts. I think he gets yeah, two. Right. two starts. So, yeah, that you can't expect more than that after starting the first two games. So uh, the final thing I will say on this podcast before we head off. Uh, Go Sabres, go Bills. Go Sabres, yeah. Um, well, you're going to say that at the end, too. But. I'm going to say it at the end. You're right. That was kind of <laughs> unnecessary, but I will have to say this. Never unnecessary. I feel like this is an important public service announcement to make. <laughs> Joe, my co-host, who was complaining uh, a couple weeks ago about how he was going to, quote-unquote, quit our league. Leave the league. Leave the league next year because... <laughs> quit, was, quit was never spoken. Because he didn't want to go to Tim Hortons because he was out on the floor and his team blew. Listen, well, I, didn't what do you I, I didn't say Open I didn't mouth. want no, to. No, no, no. Listen, I didn't say no, I didn't no. want to. I said I'm going hey, to go. That's the, all I said. All I want is answers to the questions. What's your team record right now? Two and four. Where, where are you in the league right now? What am I? 
We're tied for six. Tied for six. And right now, with the points for tiebreaker, he would be six. And we have six people making the playoffs. So technically, Joe is I'm a playoff team right now. I'm making the playoffs at two and, and four. Joe is not even in last place right now. No. Some team was one five. The person will be unknown, but they know who they are. <laughs> um, <laughs> I am four and two, so I'm I'm solid. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I I adapted. I I overcame. Made a trade. Jerome Ford for Adam Thielen has worked out insanely in my favor. Um, was a little nervous because Adam Thielen had a couple good games, could have faltered off, but his floor is so it's it's high, honestly, with that team and the way it is. He's a he's an easy target for Bryce Young, um, and then added Devon A. Chain. Unfortunate, he's on IR right now, but that's a piece that comes back and uh, you know effectively can help win games at the end of the season. Saquon Barkley's back. He got 10 points last night because the Bills' defense kind of shut him down, but he'll be a 20-point runner for a lot of games as he gets healthier and more accustomed to the game. So, yeah, we are turning it around a little bit. You know, it'll be interesting to see how the season ends up. But um, last night, there was some there was some good games going on. Um, and Dom mentioned before the show, he's in the market for a trade with me. So we're going to see what we can make happen. So Yeah, well, it'll be an interesting week. Uh, Our buddy Greg is, is hounding me about a trade right now, so we'll see well, what happens. it'll be an interesting week. It's three brothers matchups. I'm playing my brother Jeremy. The producer, Michael, is playing his brother, our brother Patrick, and you're playing your brother Jake. Yeah. So it's it's it's, it's a brother it's a brothers bowl in week seven. And yeah. Brothers. Lot of lots at stake after. Oh, also, the to end this and then we could you know you go into your conclusion. I did beat the producer last week in fantasy. Yeah, he did. Uh, last t- night Tony Pollard Tony saved pa- the game. Tony for Pollard's you. seven point <laughs> cat the scample on the catch and sixty yard run uh, got the apartment a little loud, but uh, just was able to pull out the win there. Very proud of my team's effort. Uh, unfortunate for the producer as he falls to a record I won't name, but uh, yeah. yeah, I I smell. I smell a one in five. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologize. Um. Anyway, that's gonna do it for this edition of the Buffalonian podcast. Wild show today. As one would say, that would be unfortunate. Yeah, unfortunate <laughs> that it has to end. But you know, we'll be back with you on Friday for some betting on the Bills. We'll talk more about. No, I'm not even gonna mention Bill Belichick. We gotta end this. <laughs> so, without further ado, without further ado, I'm Joe Kelly. I've been joined by Dom Loss. And Dom, how do we always end these, buddy? Oh yeah, and thank you to our producer. <laughs> Sorry, I got I got to get in the habit of doing that. The stream going back and forth between the stream yards throw me off. But Dom, how do you always end these, buddy? Go Bills, baby. Go Bills and go Sabers. Let's go.